You're listening to the Refined Hippie Podcast, a show all about holistic lifestyle, nutrition, and plant-based veganism for a mind-body-spirit approach to living healthfully and happily for ourselves and our planet. Welcome back, friends, to another episode. I am your host, Rebecca Henson. If you are new to the show, thank you so much for joining me. And if you are a seasoned, refined hippie podcast listener, welcome back. And I appreciate your support so much. This episode is long overdue, like years overdue for sure. On this podcast, we chat all about living as healthfully as we can, right? We discuss different lifestyles, food to eat and not to eat, mindset shifts, alternative healing modalities, you name it, etc. But we have never had a full episode on non-toxic and toxic skincare. That is crazy for many reasons. And also because I have been a product junkie <laughs> since I was 14, which I'm going to get to that. But also, you know, if one is trying to heal or be the healthiest version of themselves, it must include all aspects of our lives. And what we put in our bodies is just as important as what we put on them. You might be familiar with the phrase toxic load or toxic burden, and this is pretty much as it sounds. It's the amount of toxins that build up in our bodies over time. Now, when we think about skincare, the beauty world, it probably women come to mind, right? Sure, men use deodorants and maybe some type of, you know, spray or body wash and things like that. But women are the main consumers when it comes to the beauty industry. And because of this, I don't think it's a coincidence that women make up the majority of those affected by autoimmune disease. Around 80% of those affected by autoimmune are women. So in this episode, we are going to get into all things non-toxic beauty. We are going to chat about the FDA and the lack of regulation that is in this country. Some of the ingredients to always avoid, alternative companies to look for, and just how to better navigate the beauty industry. Because let's be real, we're not going to all just say, okay, I'm not going to use makeup anymore. I'm not going to use products ever again. Most of us are not going to do that. I think that's amazing. I think it's amazing people who don't wear any makeup. I myself have always loved makeup. It's the creative, the artist in me. I find it fun. I like to accent whatever I already have, right? But of course, like I'm saying, I want it to be most non-toxic. I want it to be organic. I want it to actually be able to help my skin, help my body, right? So we're going to get into all of these things and be sure to share this episode with somebody who you think could benefit from this information. And if you are enjoying the podcast, as always, please like and share and maybe even leave a comment or a review. I would appreciate that so much. Also, feel free to DM me if you have any suggestions for topics that you would like to hear on the podcast. This episode is actually one that I have gotten a lot of requests for over the last few years, and it has been on my to-do list, um, but it just kind of fell off the radar until recently. I was sharing some products that I love, and I got a few people asking if I had an episode about skincare, and I was like, no, I don't, but I should. <laughs> so here I am 
doing an episode on a topic that I really love chatting about. As I said earlier in the show, I have been a self-proclaimed product junkie for a very long time. Sephora was my temple. I was an unwavering follower and it was one of my favorite things to do when we went shopping or, you know, went to the mall back in the day. I would go to Sephora and I would have in my mind kind of how much I wanted to spend and I had my favorite brands. But even prior to that, I started experimenting with makeup when I was probably in my Spice Girl stage was probably the beginning. So I was around 12 and I would get at that time, makeup from just the drugstore, CoverGirl, whatever, you know, Maybelline, I don't know, (laughs) Um, and play around with makeup to do my Spice Girl concerts with my friends and my cousin. So I started early on, and then I guess I graduated to more department store makeup, Sephora. Um, I really got into MAC and Chanel and brands like that. And in my mind, I think I probably felt as though they were better. Of course, you know, they cost a lot more. So in your mind, you think, oh, well, they're higher quality. But even even so, with that being said, I don't believe I ever thought about them being toxic. I don't even know if I ever used that word, right? And as I said before, I also thought that if they were being sold to consumers out in the world, <laughs> that they were going to be fine for me because I didn't think that the government would just allow companies to put toxic chemicals into skincare or any product for that matter. And we certainly know now that that is not true when it comes to food. There is little to no regulation. And the same is happening with the skincare and beauty industry. So back in 1938, the FDA passed the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act. And this federal law was created to establish quality standards for food, drugs, medical devices, and cosmetics manufactured and sold in the U.S. And of course, in theory, this sounds great, right? Yet ingredients that are used in cosmetics with the exemption of color additives are exempt from FDA regulatory practices. This includes the need for approval or product recall if an ingredient is found to be dangerous. So literally the FDA has no power to force a company to recall something. The company has to want to do it themselves, even if it is found that the product that they are creating and selling is dangerous. Basically, the FDA has no authority, and the only recourse they have is to give a strong recommendation to the company, but they cannot force them to recall. Since this act was created, just a handful of chemicals have been banned from use. I actually could not find a definitive answer on this. I found one website said it was nine chemicals. Another said it was 11 chemicals. And then another one said 30. So tops, 30 have actually been banned today in the United States. So maybe that's an improvement. But in contrast, the EU has banned over 1,400 possible ingredients for their cosmetic and beauty industry. And there are more than 12,000 chemicals that are used and approved today. So let's get back to the regulations or lack of regulations, if you will. 
Whatever regulations there are come from the industry itself, from the Personal Care Products Council or the PCPC, being it is a self-regulating body supported by the cosmetic industry itself. And would you be surprised to hear that they claim their products are, quote, among the safest and claim the fears to be completely overblown? We see this time and time again in the food industry. They continue to put nasty additives in our food. However, overseas, they have a completely different formula, completely different recipes. And this is exactly what is happening in the beauty and cosmetic industry. They are run amok. The FDA is not doing anything, and it is up to the consumer to make the best choices for themselves and to research. And I know that that can seem daunting for a lot of us, but our health is on the line because we're already going to be bombarded by so many other stressors in the world, right? And we don't want it to be those things that we do have control of. We have control of what we put in our mouth. We have control of what we put on our body. And I did want to just reference that toxic load again because... I hear time and time again people saying, "Oh, well that's what your kidneys are do or your kidneys and your liver are for filtering. That's what they're supposed to do." And that is true, but we have never lived in a in a time period where the body was just completely taxed constantly from every angle. We have never lived in a time period where there were so many toxins everywhere. We do not live in a natural world anymore. We don't live in just a a wonderful natural forest that is not exposed to tons of chemicals and toxins and pesticides and herbicides and the air quality is awful and we have cars and we have houses that are made with all kinds of ingredients that also have no regulation. And I know that sounds probably really intense when I'm going to listen to that again, but because I don't want to create any fear I want people to feel empowered. And that is the whole point of this, right? Whatever we have control of, let's do it. And with this toxic load, you know, some people will use a reference of a bucket. I have heard bucket and elevator. I don't know why I like the elevator analogy a lot. So think of your body as an elevator. And when you have all these different things that get on the elevator, you know, there's only, a, there's a max weight limit in all elevators, right? 1,300 pounds, 2,000 pounds, whatever it is. And so only a certain amount of people can get on the elevator. Well, this is the same with our body. Our bodies can only take so much toxic load. They can only take so much stress. And this can be come, come from lots of different places, right? It doesn't have to just be our skincare. There's so many other things. It's our food. It's our environment. It's our relationships. It's our job. It's just chronic stress. Whatever stressors we have in our life, whether that is has to do with relationships or money or whatever. And then also, of course, what we're eating. It's our water. It's our air. It's all of these things. So whatever we can do to minimize that, let's do it. And this is where it comes into the skincare. So you have probably heard of the Dirty Dozen for food, right? You don't want to, you want to steer clear of the Dirty Dozen, meaning foods that have high residues of pesticides and chemicals and toxins, right? Top ones are berries, blueberries, strawberries, um, spinach. You can find that. The Environmental Working Group has the whole list. It changes kind of a little bit every year, but most for the most part, it stays the same. But there is also a dirty dozen for skincare. Imagine that. So these are ingredients that have been found to either be 
endocrine disruptors, meaning they cause hormone issues. They have been found to be carcinogenic, meaning they cause cancer, or mutagens, meaning they cause genetic mutations. These ingredients also could perhaps be estrogen mimickers or allergens. They have also been shown to be harmful to the environment and aquatic life. So these are things that you definitely want to steer clear of if you see the name of them on any product. I will say a few of them you're probably going to be like recognize immediately because there is a big movement, which I'll get to, called greenwashing (laughs) of companies that will put on the outside of their product paraben-free, sulfates-free, a lot of um, hair products do this, which is great that they're trying. I mean, it's more about they realize that there is a market for it and they're trying to get you to buy it. Again, greenwashing, I will explain that in a second. So these are in no particular order, but I am going to name some of the top dirty ingredients that are found in skincare. The first is going to be parabens. Parabens are used as a preservative to keep skincare, lotions, makeup, soap fresh and germ-free. These have been shown to cause hormone issues, reproductive problems, and brain function. There's also been some links to breast cancer and parabens, so definitely one of the nasty ones. And like I said, I think this is one you probably have heard of before. The next is sulfates probably also have heard of that. And this is a chemical that is used to create a lathering effect. They are produced from either petroleum or plant sources like coconut and palm oil. You might have heard about palm oil in the news or read an article because of its impact on the environment and the destruction of rainforest and poor little orangutans' homes. Sulfates are also very toxic to many aquatic species when they are washed away and found in the river and oceans. And then we have BHA and BHT. These are preservatives that are found in lipsticks, moisturizers, and also some food items. Coal tie dyes and synthetic colors. These are used as colorants in hair dyes. They're also used in high pigment lipsticks and eyeshadows. Next is DEA. These are used to make things sudsy, so found in cleaners, soaps, and shampoos. Then we have phthalates, or DPD. These are salts or plasticizing chemicals. Doesn't that sound appealing? And this helps products spread more easily, so they are used and found in nail polishes, perfumes, and lotions. Next up is one that I think is surprising to many, and that is fragrance. So what is the deal with fragrance? Why is fragrance so bad? Well, there's a lot of issues with the term fragrance. It is actually an umbrella term that could mean hundreds of different possibilities, and it falls under a loophole in the FDA's regulation. It is considered to be a trade secret under the Fair Package and Labeling Act of 1966, and this allows companies to not have to list the ingredients in their formula. So it could be a number of different things, and the EWG has actually estimated that the average fragrant contains about 14 secret chemicals that are not listed on the label, and they don't have to list them. 
The EWG also found that around 75% of the products that list fragrance as an ingredient contain the hormone-disrupting chemical phthalates, which I already mentioned a little bit earlier. I would like to add that if you find a product that you are interested in and it comes from a company that you believe is clean and non-toxic, but it does have fragrance as an ingredient, I implore you to send them an email if they can disclose what that is. And hopefully, if it is non-toxic, they will disclose it. If it's trade secret, I would say run away because that means it could be anything. Um, I actually did this with a company that I love. They had a serum that I looked at the ingredients and I was like, what in the heck? It actually came up on my Think Dirty app as not so great. And the reason was... Everything else was good, but that one line that said fragrance, I emailed them and it actually turned out to be that they use essential oils. Why they don't just put that it was essential oil, I have no idea. (laughs) I'm sure maybe, maybe they've changed that now, but if it is a company that has a giant marketing budget, they have commercials, that kind of thing, I would bet money that fragrance is toxic, whatever fragrance they use, because at this point, it seems like the larger companies and the ones that have been around for decades and decades do not care about about these ingredients and these issues. And frankly, it's probably because most people don't know. Most people don't care. Most people aren't thinking about it. And that works well for them, you know, but you and I know better, right? Onward to the next toxic ingredient to watch out for, which is petroleum. That's probably not a shocker there. Now, petroleum can be listed as a lot of different things. They do this for dairy and sugar, right, to confuse people. But it could be listed as petrolatum, xylene, toluene, mineral oil, or liquid paraffin. Now, if I pronounced any of those wrong, uh, I am sorry, but but anything that is derived from petroleum, which yes, is what goes into your car, should not be on or in our bodies ever. Of course, the industry says that it is safe. However, research has shown that to be not true. And some of the issues with petroleum-based ingredients can be cancer, birth defects, Uh, affecting the human central nervous system. It can also lead to fatigue, headaches, drowsiness, nausea. There is a whole list of issues that it can cause for the body. So definitely try to avoid those ingredients. Formaldehyde. Doesn't that sound appetizing to have in your skincare products? (laughs) This is a common, common ingredient in beauty care, especially with nail polishes. Uh, nail hardeners, hair gels, shampoos, deodorants, lotions. It is found in so many different products and is often used as a preservative in skincare, which hmm, doesn't seem very surprising, doesn't it? Considering formaldehyde is used to preserve bodies. Seems pretty gross, right? Again, this is not something that should be on a living body. Makes sense for one that's not, but... For those of us who are still alive, we should avoid products with formaldehyde. Next up is talc, which you might be familiar with because of the lawsuit 
from Johnson and Johnson pertaining to a woman who had been using their baby powder, which contained talc for over 35 years and developed ovarian cancer. Since then, Johnson and Johnson has faced more than 38,000 ovarian cancer talc lawsuits and more than 400 mesothelioma claims in the civil court system. And the main issue with talc is asbestos because these naturally occurring minerals are found in such close proximity to one another that it is basically impossible to know whether or not the talc contains asbestos. And these tiny little fibers can lodge in your lungs in when inhaled and then obviously in your body through other ways and there is no way to get rid of it. So pretty nasty stuff. Talc is used to absorb moisture. So not surprising since it, it was found in baby powder. It is often found in eyeshadows, blush, and deodorants as well. Interesting story is with talc, I actually had an eyeshadow and a blush that I had bought from a company, which I will not mention, but it is a multi-level marketing company that claims to be clean, but their eyeshadow and their blush contained talc, which I had not even paid attention to. They really pulled one over on me. They have since changed that formula, but my question is, if they created and started their business to be the cleaner option, why in the world would that have ever been included? I don't know. Seems a little weird and definitely made me lose a more trust in that company. There's a few other toxins that I would like to mention. Those are the ones that are found in traditional sunscreens, oxybenzone, benzonephenone, PABA, and then there's a few other ones that I Absolutely, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce, but these are ones that are extremely toxic to our bodies and also the environment, the coral reefs, the water, the ocean. Um, So pretty much any of those sunscreens, the majority of sunscreens, I'll say, that you can purchase at a drugstore are super toxic, super, super toxic. So if you're looking for a sunscreen, The only two ingredients that have been found to be safe are zinc oxide and titanium dioxide. Personally, when I do wear sunscreen, which I'm going to be honest, is very seldom, um, they're going to be products that literally only have maybe one or two ingredients. And I will say they unfortunately don't rub in as well as the stuff that has 50 different ingredients. But they are effective and they are non-toxic. Now, when I say I don't wear sunscreen, a lot of times people lose their minds, right? We have all been conditioned to believe that you're supposed to slather on sunscreen every single day and certainly when you go to the beach. Well, there are a few things that I do that I protect myself. One is I wear clothes, (laughs) especially in the dead middle, middle of the day in the summer, right? I cover up I wear a hat, which I never used to do when I was younger, and I do regret that now. Um, And I also plan around the sun. So if I am going to be at the beach or doing outdoor activities, I like to do them earlier in the morning or later in the afternoon when the sun is lower in the sky. So I do not like to go to the beach or the pool 
between 11 to 2. And, you know, this can vary depending on the time of the year, obviously in the summer. Those are really great ways to protect your body. But I will say one of the greatest ways to protect your body, shocker here, is to eat whole plant foods, especially those that are high in antioxidants, vitamin C and vitamin E. These protect our body and our skin from UV and UVB damage. They literally neutralize the free radical damage that sun exposure causes. They're protective. This is why it's even more obvious that that's what we're meant to eat. Because we're not meant to be cave people. We're not meant to be, you know, stuck underground, mole people or something, right? We're meant to be outside. And in nature... If we didn't live in these houses, we would be outside way more. Most people were up until the last few centuries. So don't attack me. I know we've all been conditioned to believe that sunscreen is the end-all be-all. And this is coming from someone whose grandfather had skin cancer, right? So I am highly aware that skin cancer is a horrible thing, right? But I'm also highly aware that skin cancer has been rising It has been increasing every decade, just like all the other cancers and all the other issues that we have in our modern world. And it pretty pretty much seems obvious to me, considering that most of us spend much less time out in outdoors. Most people spend 90% of their lives indoors, which is vastly different from most of human history, right? But the thing that has changed in the past 70 years, 50, 70 years, is our diets. So that's all I'm going to say about that. (laughs) Onward we go. I just want to briefly discuss greenwashing. I mentioned the term earlier. And greenwashing by definition is the act or practice of making a product, policy, activity, etc. appear to be more environmentally friendly or less environmentally damaging than it really is. And we are seeing this happen in virtually all industries. We're seeing it in cars, makeup, products, cleaning supplies, um, housing, you know, furniture, like clothes. Everywhere, it seems, is jumping on this bandwagon because they're trying to get consumers to buy their product. And if consumers feel good about what they're buying and maybe it makes them feel like they're having a positive impact on the environment because many of us are highly aware of the state of this world and we would like to feel good that we are not damaging it anymore, right? But the problem is all of these companies know this, but a lot of them don't really want to change much. So they just use this as a marketing tactic. It's just a way to advertise and oftentimes be deceptive because they just want to persuade people to buy their products. And I see this a lot in the beauty care industry, a lot of times with hair products. (laughs) I know a lot of the big main brands, um, L'Oreal, those kind of things, a lot of them now say on their cover, paraben-free, sulfate-free. And this is why those are generally the most common terms that that people are aware of when it comes to these toxins, but they haven't changed much else and it doesn't mean that their products are good. So what do you do, right? What are we supposed to do? Because this is overwhelming. None of us want to spend all day researching this, right? Well, there are several ways to 
navigate this world and it starts with apps. <laughs> and I am not one who is pushing apps. My phone does not have very many. I have the essentials and these two are going to always be on my phone. And that is the Think Dirty app and the EWG's app, so Environmental Working Group. And their app is called Healthy Living. So the EWG's is Healthy Living, and the other is called Think Dirty. I have had Think Dirty actually before the EWG's, and it's kind of my default, I think, and maybe just because I'm so used to it and I've been using it for so long. But both of these are great. Um, they have the ability to just scan the barcode and then it comes up. You don't even have to type it in. Uh, and most products are on there, especially, um, I think the, the EWG's one has a lot more food products and Think Dirty is mostly just skincare, beauty care. Um, and I do find that Think Dirty generally has more of those as of now. Again, this could always change. But I love these and they have saved me every time I go to the store. If I'm unsure about a company or a product, I just get out my phone and I scan it and I can see reviews. I can see what the ingredients are that might be problematic. You can even tap on the ingredient and see what it says about it. A lot of times they have links to articles or research and it just takes the guessing workout. It takes the time. Um you know, cuts down on the time that you and I have to spend on this subject because there's so much information and, you know, we're all trying to do our best and this just really helps tremendously. The other suggestion is to try and find a boutique or a store that sells only clean beauty. A lot of larger cities will have these. I know we had one in Charleston, South Carolina when I lived there, and now we have several, I think, here in Wilmington, one that I frequent often, which is called Figgy Co. And the great thing about these shops is that the owners are the ones who are spending their time researching. They research all of the brands that they are going to carry and really are diligent about making sure that they're ones that are up to par. So what are some of my favorite brands? I love trying new companies, new products, and I am not just pigeonholed to one company. I like to explore lots of different ones. So these are in no particular order, but I will start out with Leilani. This is such a beautiful company out of Hawaii, and they, quote, create nectars, potent and vibrant botanical actives and luxurious tropical beauty oils. Love it. They have a mermaid mask that has spirulina in it and you can literally eat it. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's food grade. And if you accidentally get some on your, on your lip, you will not be upset. It has, I'm pretty sure it has sugar in it. So that's probably why as a nice little scrub, but they have just absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous products. I also love Coco Kind. This is a really great price point. Um, so all organic, also have just wonderful, wonderful products. I also love the company Laurel. Their slogan is plant medicine for the skin. So yes, please. Organic plant-based ingredients. It is a little bit pricier, but I'm telling you it is worth it because 
the ingredients are insane and very, very effective. Next up is a company that I just found out about and started using, and that is Tammy Fender. Price point is a little high on uh, quite a few of her products, especially her masks and peels, but totally worth it. And a little bit goes a long way. So, you know, if you're thinking about purchasing one of her peels or masks, they're going to last at least half a year, I would say. Um, I mean, I have been using my mask. I have two of her masks. One is like a, a peel scrub and the other is like a traditional mask. And I use them several times a week and I still have, you know, three fourths left and it's almost March. And I got one, I bought one of them or maybe around Thanksgiving and the other one I got as a Christmas gift. So I definitely can see that they're going to last about six months. So when you break it down that way, then, you know, it's not as big of a, of a splurge, but I'm obsessed with her. She might be my favorite, my favorite company right now. Um, but like I said, I'm not really pigeonholed to any company. I love trying just different ones. Um, and going to the beauty shop, skincare shop and exploring and having one of the uh, team people there help me out and introduce me to new stuff. So it's always fun to just play around, right? As far as makeup goes, there are a few companies that I particularly love. The first is RMS and they formulate products using raw food grade organic wild crafted ingredients like what I just I love everything they create um very very clean the next is Erie Perez this is an interesting company and story because the founder spent her childhood in Mexico with a traditional medicine man grandfather And then a mother who loved making home remedies and beauty recipes. So she already had that foundation of nature and healing. So it was no wonder that she created this wonderful beauty line. Um, The ingredients for some of her products are oat milk and rice flour and avocado. I mean, it's just a really cool company. Next up is the brand Elia. I don't actually have a lot of this company's products, but... I am wanting to expand (laughs) on that. One reason, because uh, one of my favorite organic beauty brands is actually closed. It was called Vapor, and they closed at the end of December. I think it's just a hard, hard business to be in, you know, to be in clean organic skincare. And um, I was really bummed about that because I have so many of their products. I love their mascara and things, but... So I can't really promote them since they don't exist anymore. But Elia is my next is my next company that I am looking at, uh, trying out their foundations and things. So those are a few of my faves. Oh, I meant to mention I also like the brand One Love. I don't. I, f- I think I forgot to say about that company. Um, she, they have some really great serums and a nice eye cream that I like. So I hope this helps. Of course, there are lots of other brands out there that I don't know about or I haven't mentioned. So be sure to explore and just have fun with it. You know, I think that um, it kind of it's just kind of like going plant based. It creates it opens up a whole new world that you didn't even know about (laughs) and all these different companies and different things to try. And I love that. I love 
the fun and, and creative aspect of makeup for sure. And then skincare. I mean, let's be real. Who doesn't want to make their skin more beautiful? I mean, obviously going from the inside out is key. So that means eating organic whole food plant-based, but we need to also be thinking about what we put on our skin. So as always, thank you so much for tuning in. When this episode airs, I'm going to be down in Florida. My husband and I are going to Palm Beach for about four nights and I'm super stoked. We're also going to be able to see a friend of mine that I haven't seen in like three or four years. And since the last time I saw her, she has three kids. <laughs> so really, really nuts. I am very, very excited. Also, this is the 99th episode of the podcast. What? I know. So I'm coming up on episode 100. I have not decided what that topic is going to be. This is a huge milestone. So if you have any suggestions, let me know. I'm just brainstorming now of what the heck it should be. I, I'm assuming it's going to be a solo episode. I had thought about maybe having my husband come on, but I'm not sure if he <laughs> if he's up, up to it. He was actually on the podcast uh, way early on. He was on episode seven. If you haven't listened to that, check it out. So you have to scroll down really far to find it. But yeah, let me know. DM me. Shoot me an email, Rebecca at therefinedhippie.com. Or you can DM me at my Instagram. And yeah, until next time, my lovely friends, peace and plants. <laughs>